right, we're going to go to a lot of different verses on this chapter. Um, and uh, just a reminder, until September 11th, there'll be no more evening services until September 11th. And that when Awana will be starting and a lot of the ones will be preparing for that. And when we get back, we'll start right in Corinthians. Um, so the meat of this book actually ends with chapter 15. Uh, chapter 16, it's, uh, it's basically just his uh, salutation or his finish of the letter. But there's some really interesting things in here. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need for you, of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Uh, so from verse 1 to verse 15 is a list of those who were assisting uh, Paul and will be a help to uh, the church. And we're going to stop and talk about a few of them. Um, but this is much like when we were going through Chronicles and others when there's just a lot of, of, of names. But I do want you to notice Phoebe is most likely the person who brought the letter. Once it was written by Paul, she delivered it. And it, we see that, that you receive her in the Lord. Um, the interesting thing about Phoebe is in many cases when a person, hey Warren, we're in Romans 16. Sorry, started a little early. Um, Phoebe is actually a name that is a praise to a false god. It, it was her birth name. Uh, it is a uh, Gentile name. And in many cases, uh, those with these names would change their name. For whatever reason, Phoebe did not do it. But this brings us to two points. One, um, the people who God qualifies is always surprising to people. And we have systems within our culture that disqualify people from serving. And Phoebe would be one that would probably be disqualified. This Gentile woman. Uh, I do want to, uh, to read to you 1 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, this is uh, controversial verses, but they're not controversial. Uh, sometimes when verses are controversial, they're just controversial because mankind makes them controversial when God plainly sets out a precedent. And here's what it says. 1 Timothy 2.8 I desire that men pray everywhere. Okay? So what is the desire of God for men? That they pray. These are the verses in which it, it, it tells us that women are not to have authority over men in teaching. And boy, there are books and controversies, but they completely skip the part where God tells men to pray. Uh, that's our responsibility. And if you take a, a, a blanket of men in the church today, not this church, but churches as a whole, how many of those men are truly men of prayer? Praying for their families. We can be critical of women teachers, 
but we aren't as critical as men who don't pray. But they're in the same verses. And men, pray for your families. Pray with your families. So he says, I therefore desire men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. So, how should women dress? Modestly. So the controversy over pants or no pants or this and that, that, that carries with it um, a little more preference than it is uh, gospel theology. Modest. Uh, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness and good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit women to teach or have authority over a man, but be in silence. And it goes on to talk about Eve and Adam. So it's very clear that the authority of a woman over a man or the teaching of a woman to a group of men or men, it doesn't mean women can't teach. They can certainly teach children. They can certainly teach Sunday school. They can certainly give testimonies. They can certainly take part in Bible studies. Um, but in verse chapter 16 back in Romans, it's filled with women. It's filled with women who we have hold of the prophetess. We have Phoebe asked by Paul to deliver this letter. Um, so the... The uh, use of women in ministry is high. They're, the only thing they're not allowed to do is be a pastor and take authority over men. And so as we go back to Romans chapter 16, we started with this woman. We don't know much about Phoebe and her personal life. Verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ. I like Priscilla and Aquila, two of my favorite people in the Bible. Um, married couples that serve together, nothing better. I, I think it's the best. Um, Aquila and Priscilla were the ones, if you remember, um, Apollos was teaching, but he did, only knew the baptism of John. And Aquila and Priscilla taught them more, taught them more accurately and he became a, a warrior and, and preacher for Christ. So it says about them, who risk their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also to, also to all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Their church was in their house. Well, in the realm of, of Christianity, in which the husband is uh, loves the wife as Christ loved the church and is the spiritual head of the household, all of your churches, all of your houses should be like a church. All of your houses. Um, and obviously at this time, the churches were synagogues. There probably weren't, you know, First Baptist Church of Jerusalem on the corner or the road, whatever they call their churches today. They didn't have Gentile churches 
or Christian churches. So where would they have church? In their homes. They would meet in their houses. And Aquila uh, and Priscilla. Because the church in that time, once we get to, to Corinthians, uh, the very first verse in Corinthians says to the church of Christ at Corinth, which includes all the Christians, not one building in which they gathered, but all the believers that lived in the town who met and worshipped in different houses because there wasn't a building really to go to. Um, uh, I, it would be beneficial if we saw it that way. This is before mankind got a hold of it and decided to divide everything by denominations and religions and uh, kind of mess things up. So greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Epianetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. I like that phrase too. And, and all that means is whoever Achaia is, he led Epianetus to the Lord. That's what God says when he says to bear much fruit at times. It's, it's also preaching that gospel, reaching. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles who were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. And Stachus, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and uh, Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. So as he goes through this list, these people who are labored, and if, if I was writing a letter from uh, Georgia, and I was gone for a month, and I wrote a letter to Larry, I would say, you know, oh man, greet Brian, who's so helpful. Greet Carol, and tell her we're praying for those shoe boxes. Greet Dave and Karen, and tell them, and greet Gary, and greet Warren, and all those things. And, and we have that list from 30 years of ministry here, of people that we worked with. That's the body. That's the church. See, this is a, a family. There's something different here. This is, this is a family. Um, and I was contemplating, you know, if I stopped being a pastor, what would I do? Well, the first thing I would do is come to this church on Sunday and sit down and listen to whoever was preaching because this is my church, and that's where I would be, you know. So I, I don't. The whole thing is that what would stop? Uh, Greet Tryphena, verse 12, same things. Verse 13, we do want to stop with this guy. This is very interesting. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. It's an interesting thing. So this Rufus is a very interesting character. So we want to talk a little bit about him. Um, does anybody know who Rufus's dad is? I didn't know till this week. Well, turn to Mark fifteen twenty one. I'm been a pastor here a long time and I'm I'm feeling as if I'm just 
figuring out how to study. So Mark 15.21 says, They compelled a certain man, Simon of Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, and he was coming out of the country, passing by to bear his cross. So Simon, this man who was pulled out of the crowd to carry the cross of Jesus, is the father of Rufus. Now, it could be a different Rufus, but most of the information I read all connect him to this Simon. So when you go back to Romans 16, Paul says an interesting thing about him. He says to, um, to greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. And, and it's, he's not saying greet his mother and greet my mother. It's written in, in the point that, that she's like a mother to me, his mother. So here is Simon, the man who's carrying the cross, and his wife and his son who become an intimate part of the ministry of Paul himself. So I just like that. I like that a lot. What do we learn from these verses? Well, the body of Christ is made up of women, couples, mothers, Jews, Gentiles, many names, many people, many walks of life with many struggles. And as a unit, the ministry works and the ministry goes on. I would say that in this church, many of us outside of Christ sometimes don't have a lot in common. We may not be friends outside of this connection to Christ. But this connection to Christ has manly men with not so manly men and, and women and men of all different ilks and backgrounds that are so unified in Christ we're able to work together to try to make a difference. Um, the other thing about this list, if you look at verse 15, greet fellow Logus and Julia, Nereus, his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. They're all called saints, the saints of God. And many in this list, I think it's 13 of them, if I remember correctly, they're actually mentioned in documents that are connected to the palace of the emperor in Rome, that in the historical books, they overlap. And I want to read to you Philippians 4.21. Paul says this in Philippians 4.21. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. And all the saints greet you. But especially those who, have, who are of Caesar's household. So God says, Paul says in Philippians 4, that there are saints of God from the very household of Caesar. We're going to see at the end of the book of Acts when we get back that Paul ends up in Rome. He goes through these trials, these Roman trials, and he asks for his court case to be taken to Caesar. And we learn later on that while many persecuted him, many reviled him, 
There were people who were saved even from the very household of Caesar himself. And so in this list, there are Jews, there are Gentiles, there are couples, there are women, there are men, and there are even people from the very household, Romans and Jews alike. This seed that we throw out lands on these four different grounds, and you have no idea who it's going to take uh, root with. You just have no idea. We're starting another year of Awana, and once we start, we have no idea what little boy, little girl is going to end up showing up for the first time and who you're going to be ministering to. We just never know year by year. Um, verse 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. So this holy kiss was mentioned three or four other times in the scripture. And it was a common greeting. It's not something that, that is, is common today, obviously. Um, but it was a, a, a visible recognition that the person you're with, you consider a brother or sister in Christ. And that you are united as a family. And I'll show you what I mean by this. Let's look at Luke chapter 7. Jesus has a very interesting thing to say in Luke chapter 7. We're going to begin in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. The Pharisee does not have good intentions here. He is trying to find something to bury Jesus with. So behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, wiped them with the hair of her head. She kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman is this who is touching him, for she is a sinner. I know this man, Jesus, now is not who he says he was, because he deemed this woman a sinner. So Jesus answers him and says, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, teacher, say, he says, there is a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When he had nothing with which to pay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, I suppose the one who he forgave more. He said, you have rightly judged. So he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven... The same loves little. 
And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that a beautiful story? But I want you to notice that when he was criticizing this Pharisee, he said, you gave me no water, you gave me no oil, and he says, you gave me no kiss. And what he's saying is when the Pharisee welcomed him in his home, by not giving him this holy kiss, he was basically saying to Jesus, I don't consider you a brother. I don't consider you one of us. And so this holy kiss was, uh, however it started, it was, it was very important to those who were followers of Christ. And it was something that Christ uh, approves of. Um, today we just do it with a handshake, pat on the back. But we have ways of recognizing and appreciating our brothers. Uh, so let's go back to Romans 16. Verse 17. I urge you, now he's greeted them all. I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. This has been a, a, a principle here since Jim Alexander began that it's, you're either in the word and with the word or, or you're, your teaching is not welcome. Unless it's from the Bible, no law but love, no creed but Christ, no book but the Bible. And so we have uh, been able to avoid a lot of the confusion by not really welcoming in people that come and teach from a different perspective. Um, and it's what the Bible says to do. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Uh, so one of the ways you can tell is... Do they preach for money as their number one motivation? We had a very well-known speaker come to Stone Ridge last year to speak at one of our chapels, but he wouldn't come for less than $5,000 to do a two-hour chapel. Now, if he does that a couple times a week, it's a pretty good lifestyle right there. And my recommendation just... Don't ask him to come. He's, by the way, did a very good chapel, very biblical. It's a person you guys probably all know, uh, but that rubbed me the wrong way. It was it was a person filling their belly. Proverbs, Philippians three nineteen says the same thing. That that preachers who uh, preach for their own belly. <laughs> It's an interesting way the word puts it, but what does that mean? It's all for their physical. It's all for their... And, and they're not that hard to root out. I'm telling you, they're not that hard to root out. Most of them have websites and things. And, and um, <laughs> uh, This afternoon, I don't know how we got to it. It was, it was kind of funny. You guys won't laugh at this, but it, you might. But uh, we somehow landed on this 
know, we watched the ball game this afternoon and the game ended and Trisha was over. And we landed on this 1950s game show with Edgar Bergen. Anybody remember Edgar Bergen? Anyway, so he it was a, a little quiz show called Do You Trust Your Wife? And what happens is they would ask a question to a couple and the man would have to either say, I'll answer it, or I trust my wife to answer it. And they got extra money if the wife could answer it. But they were, they were sponsored by L&M Cigarettes. And the entire show was just, oh man, that the host would just smoke the cigarette and say, man, there is nothing like an, uh, the smooth taste of an LMN cigarette. And you could tell that the entire program had no other purpose than to sell you cigarettes. And at the, <laughs> what the funniest part was at the end of it, he says, he says, Oh, man, Edgar, don't you love those elephant cigarettes? And he says, oh, you bet I do. And he, he says, people, you ought to go out and get you some. And then Edgar says, oh, you ought to buy them like I buy them. And they said, how do you buy them? He gets this giant carton. He goes, I buy them by the carton. Well, guess what? They weren't hiding anything. The entire thing was just to sell cigarettes. The next show was Mogan David Wine. And the entire show was about selling wine. Well, guess what? Preachers do the same thing. They'll stop in the middle of a sermon and give you a commercial. If you want these notes, you want these things, and you they're easy to spot. Discernment. And God says to avoid them. Verse 19. Your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I'm glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. I think this is a verse that Larry shared during a, a prayer meeting a while back. But I want you to look at that verse very carefully. And when I read this, I saw my problem and the world's problem. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. You know what that means to be simple concerning evil? The word simple is, is a word we use for ignorant. We have lost our innocence in this country. We have lost the ability to not know anything in fact, we get made fun of if we're naive, if we don't know about this sin and that sin. And I see it with the kids when they start trying to get kids to look at things and watch things, and they'll say, I'm not allowed to watch it. Oh, what a baby. Your mom doesn't let you watch PG-13 movies. Well, the parents are trying to keep their children simple. Well, in my household growing up, uh, that wasn't allowed. The things that were allowed in my house, you know, I, I think I've shared this before, but when I was 14, I dated a 21-year-old. Picked me up, and my mom was fine with it. We were not protected from anything in our household. Um, and I desire to know nothing about that side of the world, but it will never be that way. Once you have it, once the, the, it's there, 
it's there. Psalm 101.3 says, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Um, Matthew 10.16 says to be what? Wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Turn to 1 Corinthians 14. This is another... It's, it's, the very, it's the very same principle that Paul repeats. He says it a little bit differently. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. In other words, start, get, away from, get more than milk. Don't be like little children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. Don't know anything about sin and malice and pride and, and adultery and, and thievery and in drunkenness and in revelry and in all those things over here. God says, I want you to be like little babies and not know anything about them. But what do we want to do? We actually want to take homosexuality and teach it to kindergartners. And if you don't want to do that, then you are hindering the growth of children in our country. But you and I know what the Bible says about those things. They don't want to know anything about it. God doesn't want us to know those things about it. Don't be children in understanding, but do be children in understanding malice. Do be children in understanding the evils of the world. That is... Harder than ever. It's everywhere. It's out there. Verse 20, back in Romans 16. We'll be um, kind of headed home here. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Amen. Isn't that a good verse? This goes all the way back to Romans, or Genesis 3.15. It says, I'm going to send enmity between your seed and her seed. He's speaking to Satan. And this seed, he, a male, will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. And the crushing blow came at the cross when Christ died and was buried and was bruised for our iniquities. But he rose again the third day, giving a crushing blow to Satan's plan to end him. Can't do it. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Amen. Um, Timothy, my fellow worker, Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, my countrymen, I, I, Turtleus, who wrote this epistle, greet you. And Turtleus, uh, or, or sorry, Tertius, uh, was a scribe. So Paul would dictate, he would write it. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the treasure of the city, greets you. Cortus, a brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now these closing verses, they're going to encourage you. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. This verse is full of amazing things. To him who is able to establish you 
Well, what does that mean to establish you? That simply means to save your soul. What we talked about this morning, that God is able to take the vilest of sinner and make him whole, make him right, establish him, put him on, you know, you, you walk into a restaurant and it says, you know, established in 1922. Well, if, if you put a little tag on my arm, I could put a little tattoo here. Maybe, Liz, we can do that while we're away. But it says, established Easter Sunday, 1979. You can get one on your other shoulder. We, we could be like Aquila and Priscilla. Okay, just ask him. But that idea of being established is the idea of God is able to save your soul and nothing will separate you as we read those verses today. How? According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. The secret from Genesis 3.15 has been what? Who is this seed? Who is this, this, this Savior? Who is this Messiah? When is he coming? How are we going to be saved? Who and God would give shadows through the sacrifices of the lambs and through um, miracles and, and the temple and the, the, the pieces of it and the furniture. But until Christ came, nobody really understood it. And now it's been revealed. But now, verse 26, made manifest. The word manifest is a word that means to reveal, to made known. And by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to faith. To God alone, wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Um, you ever seen that song? God only wise. That comes from this verse. To God alone wise. I like that phrase. God is alone wise. Pastor Rick and I, he's been doing a really good thing. There's a, there's a little store. It's across from his church, across from Lutz. It's a little store. And within the store, there, the man there is uh, either Hindu or Muslim. I think, I think he's Hindu. might be Buddhist. But uh, um, him and Rick have built a conversation and he makes really great sandwiches, really good. And so Rick and I will do that for lunch every once in a while. And he talks to him. It takes a long time for him to make the sandwich, and he is a talker. But when he talks, he has everything figured out. He knows how to fix the government. He knows how to parent everybody's children. He knows how to fix the marriage. He knows how to, to raise children, and he'll tell you. I'll tell you what they ought to do. I'll tell you what parents should be doing today. I'll tell you what. And he's, he's got some good points as a pretty intellectual guy. Very nice. Rick is praying that someday he'll be able to share the gospel with him. And they're just, he listens. Um, but when I was with Rick and listening to this man talk, I thought about this verse. Uh, this man thinks he has all wisdom that he needs. Every man is right in his own eyes. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death. 
as much as he has figured out, and he's got a lot figured out, he's not figured out the key to salvation. Because the truth is, only God alone is wise. And you must come to the word of God ignorant. You need to come to the God with a blank slate. Not reading scriptures and saying, Oh, I don't know. I'm not, I don't agree with that. that. That thing you read about not permitting women to teach. I know some really good women. You can come there with your own wisdom. But understand, God alone is wise. And only God deserves glory. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this book. We thank you, Father, that, uh, Lord, it, it again takes us a little deeper. Uh, I've taught this book before, and I'll probably teach it again if you tarry. And every time it's, it's more. Every time it's deeper. And, Lord, let us nary, never grow weary in our study. Never grow weary of digging into these verses and finding more things we thank you for the study in Romans. I thank you for the patience of this body in which it takes a long time to get through a book because his books deserve a long study. And we thank you for it and ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.